What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Groomer Podcast, where we are interviewing professional groomers uh, and bringing their stories to you. Uh, I am sitting here with a world-class guest today. You guys have probably heard her or heard from her a time or two. Um, She's kind of a goat in the industry right now. She grew up uh, grooming, has 18 years of experience under her belt. Um, In 2011, she made her debut in the competition ring, securing a victory in the best in show first-timers category. Um, She has gone a long way throughout the industry, and you guys may have noticed uh, her mom is also in the industry. Everybody give a warm welcome to Mackenzie Murphy. Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I know I kind of tiptoed around your intro there. I tried to keep it super high level. Uh, Maybe you can fill in some colors for us. Uh, Who are you? What do you do now? And like, you know, I would imagine everyone has heard about you. (laughs) But if you just met a brand new groomer, how would you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Mackenzie. I've been grooming since um, before I had a choice. So my mom's Jody Murphy. Um, She's she is a goat in the industry, um, an educator. And so when I was growing up, um, I was around it. And, uh, you know, I grew up going to trade shows and watching my mom be a groomer and, you know, hanging out in her mobile grooming van. If I got in trouble when I was a kid, instead of getting grounded at home, she used to drag us in her truck. So I've been doing it forever um, and all over the country, really. So you know, I started grooming in Cincinnati at PetSmart. Um, and then I have worked all over. I've, you know, been a house call groomer in New York City. I've been a mobile groomer. I've worked in super rural areas, you know, out in the Midwest. And so I've got a lot of different experience. And that's kind of how I learned was working with a ton of different people in different areas and picking up their little tricks and stuff like that. Um, And then uh, when I went to college, I went to college for art um, and I really didn't enjoy school at all. Um, I wasn't a book person, you know, and so went to school and um, it wasn't for me. And uh, I was bathing at PetSmart and my mom was like, why don't you just do it? You know, just make some extra cash for now and stuck. I was going to say, I mean, your mom from our episode, she had told me that you never wanted to do grooming. No, I didn't at all. Not even a little. (laughs) Nope. And what do you think? What do you think changed your mind? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of made sense. You know, I, I kind of knew how to do it already just from growing up with my mom and, and yeah, you know, my girlfriends were in college and and they were graduating with their degrees and they were having a hard time finding jobs, you know, with their degrees. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just stick with this. And it was probably a good six years into my grooming career before I actually um, took it seriously and like let my mom teach me anything. Um, That's so funny. So so six years you went with another teacher. You had Jody Murphy at your disposal. Uh, but you went with the Petco teacher at, in Cincinnati. PetSmart, yeah. I went through a PetSmart Academy when I was like 17, 18. And then, um, and then, 
you know, I worked for different people. I, I groomed for different salons, private salons. And, you know, they taught me from, you know, I was just a very inexperienced groomer, like a baby groomer, you know, you've been grooming for a year or two and you go into a, a grooming salon, you know, everyone, everyone, every established groomer knows, you know, you get the new girl, she's only been doing it for a year and you have to keep an eye on her and, and check her faces and, you know, make sure that everything's getting done and the dogs are clean. Like that was me for a good, a good six years before, before I let my mom come in and uh, take over. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Humble beginnings. Um, so you went from a Petco Academy in Cincinnati to doing house calls in Manhattan. Connected yeah. back. I mean, those, are, those are two very different environments. What, what, you know, how'd you get over there? Um, you know, I'm from the East Coast. And so when I was younger, I just moved around quite a bit. And, you know, I just had a, you know, my early 20s. It was just, I just bopped around and spent time with my girlfriends and groomed wherever I was grooming. And, and it worked. And then, um, and then I had my son, um, I was 23, a uh, single mom. And so I moved back to the East Coast. That's where my family was. So, you know, the party was over. And um, I had just started competing. Um, my mom was selling her clothes. She just came out with her clothing line at the time. Um, and some of her thinning shears. And so she had just started getting her own booth at trade shows. And she I would go and, and wear her grooming clothes and work in the booth and sell clothes to groomers before I was even grooming for more than, you know, three years. So it was a lot of people um, in the grooming industry that would come by the booth and be like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? So I had just gotten into the ring um, when I was having my son. Um, and so you know, I was a single mom and I was like, well, let me just dive in. And so having Oliver really like changed my course and made me like super focus on, on my career. I moved away from all my friends and, and back, you know, with my family and, and yeah, and I buckled down and, and then I was in New York city. It's amazing to think about how much of a blessing um, for your career Oliver actually was. Oh, yeah. You know, going back, I feel like, you know, if we were to look at it from other angles, it could be like, wow, you know, that I've got too much to manage now, too much to juggle. Like, I can't go full in on my career because of this. But you actually found a way to almost cut out everything else. And it forced oh, yeah. you to to go heads down in, in your industry. It just, I mean, I don't think we ever would have got here today. Um, right. It wasn't for that, which is so cool to think about. And I'm, I think I'm sitting here wondering when Oliver is going to pick up his first pair of shears as well. I know, right? I know. <laughs> he does. He He's a big help with the dogs and he's grown up, you know, around it. I did dive all the way in with him and like, you know, after I had him and, and like not doing it, not going to a show or not going to a contest or not being able to take a lesson. It just wasn't it was just something that like I never gave myself as an option. So it's amazing. And, yeah. and it sounds like, honestly, that's like a good guiding principle for you is, Hey, you dove head first. It's like, I'm going to do the classes, the seminars and the competition that come with this stuff because I told yeah. myself this is what I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all. Amazing. And so you moved out to Manhattan. Um, you had your son, you moved closer to family. 
how did you, I mean, again, Cincinnati to Manhattan, totally different. You didn't bring your clients with you or anything yeah. like that. So how did you build your first client book um, doing house calls in Manhattan? Actually, um, Jonathan David, who um, works for Kenshi, Jonathan David, he's a good friend of mine. And um, he was house call groomer in Manhattan before me. Like he probably left Manhattan maybe five years before I did, before I got there. Um, he had moved to Florida where he's at now. Um, and so when I was moving to New York, he gave me a lot of his clients, a lot of his old clients that just adored him. And so when I got there, like they were my good clients all the way up until when I left just a few years ago. So he really got me started. He gave me some like really nice gems and then, and then the word of mouth spreads from there. That's amazing. Yeah. We had Jonathan on for an episode telling some of those Manhattan house call stories. So oh my God. I, know some, <laughs> yeah, I know some of the clientele that you, uh, you walked uh, into and that is, oh that is God. amazing. What a gem, right? Um, yeah. Tell mm -hmm. me, I mean, to go, to go from Jonathan David to Mackenzie Murphy, I mean, at the time you were brand new to the scene for the mm -hmm. most part, right? And obviously the, yeah. the daughter of Jody Murphy, but still you had to still prove yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. what was it like walking into some of these clients for the first time? Um, you know, they just had Jonathan David, this groomer they came to know and love who moved away. How yep. did you convince them, or not convince, convince is the wrong word, but how did you prove yourself to them? Yeah, well, well, you know, in my experience, going from a feisty gay man to a nice, a nice, you know, Jersey girl is is a nice hop. Like they hop from those two personalities very well. They appreciated me, but <laughs> like Jonathan right. did a very good job of talking me up for them, definitely. But you know, my career was really starting to take off then, and. And, you know, they knew I was a single mother in New York and my, and Oliver was like a year or two, you know? And so they were just super supportive. Like they, you know, they come, they took a, you know, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're very, they're very high maintenance, you know, kind of clientele and they are hard to impress and, you know, make a, make an impact on because they, a lot of them, you know, view something like what we do as like a, you know, like the help, like a service, like the service people that ride the service elevator, you know what I mean? So, but they were so supportive of me and they would, they would ask if I wanted to bring Oliver into my appointments in New York City and like, how did my shows go? And so they were really great. Yeah. That's, that is so cool. That's, that's really, uh, that's really amazing because obviously, I mean, for those folks that have listened to the Jonathan David episode, um, they know the caliber of, you know, let's call these high maintenance clients, right? And it was really cool to see that side of them, that they treated you with such respect and were so open and engaged with you. And I would imagine, too, your quality spoke for itself. Like, what we're assuming, you know, that yeah. this is just who you are. But, I mean, absolutely, the quality of the the grooms that you gave, I mean, were probably yeah. fantastic. So that, that's yeah, quite yeah. for itself. Um, yeah. did you ever consider doing a, opening a salon in Manhattan or was it always house calls? You know, I've been asked that question, like through my whole career, you know, when are you gonna, when are you gonna do it for yourself? But like with, with Oliver, you know, and being on my own with him and then like his schedule and then my 
contest schedule with how much I travel and teach and stuff, like it just honestly, like I would listen to my friends who own salons, Jonathan, for example, you know, and just like everything that goes into it and the time and the bookwork and stuff like that. Like, man, I don't think I honestly don't think I would have, I don't think I would have the time in the day to be honest. So like, I'm, it's just worked out better this way. I found some really lovely people to work with like later in my career. Thank God. Um, you know, once I kind of figured out like myself as a professional in the, in the, you know, educational grooming world, like what would work for me when I am home for me and, you know, the, the business that I'm also working for, it's, you know, a two way street. So I found some really great people that are really flexible and my, my grooming schedules have always been really nicely catered to my travel. I mean, and that, and that is amazing. And it's, it's like the, uh, you've earned it, right? I mean, where you're at right now in life, you've earned your schedule to be customized for who you are and for your life situation. But I'm sure at times when you first moved to Manhattan, I mean, I'm sure that was a rat race to make as much money as you could right away. I mean, tell me like when you first got there, were you just an eager beaver getting after it, showing up to eight dogs a day and, you know, running through the, the gauntlet? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I just, it wasn't, not doing all of the things just was never an option. So, you know, back then there weren't sponsorships when it comes to like competing and things like that. So, so we just did it all on our own. And, and so, you know, it was, I had to, There, I mean, I was working seven days a week and, and if I wasn't working, I'd, if I had one day off, I'd have show dogs you know, swinging by my house on their way to like a national specialty. And I'd groom them in my kitchen while they were folding my toddler laundry in my living room, like before they went to the dog show. So, so it's always been jam packed. Like really, really, there were plenty of times where like, I wouldn't have days off for weeks, you know, just, just doing the, just doing the, the stuff, you know, putting the work in. I mean, that's amazing. That's, 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 uh, that definitely speaks to your hustle. I mean, you you truly didn't become who you are overnight, right? Like you, you said you're grooming seven days a week with a, a you know, young one at home, you know, sometimes bringing them to your sessions. Yeah, and oh, yeah. You had a day off. I mean, people bringing show dogs by your house. Why was it important to you? I'm, I'm, you know, I keep hearing this and it seems like you did whatever you could to make time for your competitions. Mm-hmm. Why oh, was yeah. that so important for you? Um, you know, I think like just the timing of how everything happened, like my timeline, right? Like in life, like I, I, I had my son and I was, you know, I left like where I was with all my friends to, and it was just my family and, and Oliver and then, and then work. And, but the majority of it was travel, you know, I'd get home and I'd groom dogs at a shop. But then I'd I'd leave as soon as it was done so I could just go be with Oliver. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of time for um, friends like at home where I lived. My friends and like my family, my home base kind of just became trade shows because we were there so often. So, you know, it was it was like home base for me. It was where all my friends were and and you know, it was like, for me, that's where I would rather be. And then grooming at home was like the stuff I had to do in between of going back to like where I belong. 
you know? No, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Who, uh, give me some insights back to those early days of going to those shows. Do you have any oh funny gosh. stories about meeting some of these, some of like your closest friends now? Oh my gosh. We like, so there, Anne Francis, um, oh my gosh she her and i we spent a lot of years traveling together when we were like in the trenches and it's funny because when we were traveling together she she was as old as i am now so you know i'm 36 that's how old Anne was when we were traveling together and i was i was in my 20s and and she would you know, we, the other people we would travel with, they were, they were younger than her too. And she was like our den mother. And oh my God, she would drive from Boston in her transit van with all of her dogs. And then she'd drive four hours down New York City and pick me up. And then we would drive Oliver to my mom's, drop him off, keep going south, pick up a couple more competitors. By the end of it, we'd have like, you know, 15 dogs in the truck and like four of us. And We'd sleep like four or five people in a hotel room with like dogs stacked to the ceiling. And it was just wild. It was, it was so much fun. And we'd split every, all the costs so we all could afford it. And, and would just take care of us all. It was, and like, oh my God, she would go to bed so early sometimes when we'd be at trade shows and, and we'd have the rooms filled with dogs. And, one time we stayed out so late and we all came back into the room and Anne Francis was asleep in the room and she would hate when we would wake her up. And so we snuck in and like, we just started like howling, like just very lightly, you know, just howling. And then all the dogs in the room started howling. And then we had the whole, it was so funny. And Anne, she just, she was so mad at us, but like we used to travel together like that. And just like, you know, traveling like that with so many people when we were younger, it was just, just like the memories we made were just ridiculous. We just had the best time. I bet that was a blast. That sounds incredible. And I know you said you're in the trenches, which could sound like a bad thing to a lot of people, but it seems like you really miss those days of being, oh, you know, yeah. nitty gritty, traveling around with 16 dogs and all that Fine. sort of stuff. That's so funny. Yeah. It really teaches you a lot about like, you know, your like work ethic and, and, you know, how much you really want to devote to it and if it's really something that's for you, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's right. just, it's for you or it's not. And, and it was definitely for me, that's for sure. Yeah, that's funny. I feel like it kind of is a natural filter between people that, you know, really care about competing and people that don't. I mean, if it's kind of like a side thing that you don't really like to do, I mean, I don't know that I'm getting in a van with. 16 dogs and and driving 20 hours across the country um i'll leave yeah. that to you for sure right but, right right so take me through so we went from cincinnati to manhattan yeah two very different things i would imagine it was a little bit scary at first in manhattan but you were closer to home um but eventually you probably settled in and you settled in with the high maintenance clients sure. um you know new york's expensive but you know the high maintenance clients pay well Eventually, you went to South Dakota, which is just, you know, I could not think of a more opposite place <laughs> than House Calls in Manhattan with Jonathan right. David's ex-clients. Tell me, I mean, what was that like? What what was, you know, there was such a difference in the types of dogs, the types yeah. of owners, the types of model you would run. I mean, what were some of those yeah. initial insights between the two? Sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely culture shock for sure. Um, but you know, at first it was hard for me because like the kind of grooming that I 
I like to do was very different than what, you know, is realistically expected in that kind of area. And so, but, you know, it's, and like, nice, nice built up areas, you know, I'm not, we're not in the sticks or anything, you know, these are like established cities and it's just a different, a different mindset altogether, I think of the, of the pet owners in the area. And so, you know, the, the kind of grooming that I was doing, I had to change, um, which, you know, if you're a groomer and you move around, you know, you kind of have to like match your grooming for where you're working you know, um, and give us, give us an example there. I mean, what was a typical groom you would do in New York and Manhattan in particular versus, you know, some of the grooms you would change for Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Sure. Like, you know, I mean, in New York, we'd have, I'd have, you know, people with show trims finding me or like, you know, they'd have Instagram famous dogs with like ridiculous, uh, you know, trims with pictures that come with pictures and they'd want exactly the picture and or you know just big big trims just big whether they're show trims or like you know just drama and these haircuts and like and they would look for people in New York City that could do it you know and and I was one of them and so but out there it was just short like everything is short and everything is you know for the most part for the most part you know, just, just realistic to everyday life, you know? And, and so like, I just kind of had to tone everything down. And if I didn't tone things down, you know, the clients were like, not the happiest, you know, they just want simple and easy to take care of. And they're like, okay, we get it. You think this is pretty, but like, this isn't what we want, you know? Give me an example of that. I mean, did that happen one of the first few dogs that you had out there where you groomed something, you know, a crazy show cut and, you know, some Midwestern owner comes up and he's like, hey, what the heck is this? Yeah, it was a, there was, um, there was a Portuguese water dog once and it was actually like a nice dog. Like it was a nice trim because normally it's all doodles, you know, out there. Doodles are like, or like backyard bred, like labs or whatever, like, you know just hunting dogs really. And and so it was a porty and I was like, oh my God. Okay. That's my dog. I'm grooming it. Like that one belongs to me forever. Okay. And so, and it's like a nice trim, put a nice trim on it. It's a pretty dog. And you know, it's, there's fuller, fuller legs on the trim. The trim is just a little bit fuller than, you know, whatever pet trim. And, and so what did it beautiful sent it home? Like, you know, they picked up the dog. They weren't as excited as I would be, but like, whatever, it's fine. I'm happy. And then they called back a few days later and the owner of the salon and, and to the owner of the salon, they were like, you know, we were just in there and your new girl, like forgot to cut all the hair off the legs. She forgot to finish the leg. And I was like, Jen, come on, Jen. And she's just laughing. You know, the woman I work for, she's just dying. She, she just, she's, she's very like, she's very understanding and like open about like the situation at hand and thinks it's also hilarious that she's trying to like stick me into this South Dakota box. And, but yeah, it was so at one point I was joking, like post COVID that I was going to get everyone, every groomer in Sioux Falls was like slammed nobody could get their regular clients in and like 
and and they were losing clients. They were worried about their regular clients because their schedules were so off. And I was like, okay, the clients here are not happy with me and I'm not happy with the clients. So like maybe I'm just going to get a mobile grooming van and I'm going to go around to the grooming salons and like I'm going to service the grooming salon. So like since they can't get their clients in on like the normal six week schedule, they miss it or the groomer's sick or the client. And so now they have to go to their whole next appointment. Call me. I'll go to your client's house and do a maintenance bath for you so that when you get your client in back into your schedule, finally, like you can keep the haircut. Dog's not going to be matted. You don't have to charge your client extra and they're not going to be upset because they had to wait so long for their appointment. And I was going to call it not your groomer. So when I go to their houses and they're like, could you just trim the eyes? Do you think you could just give it a haircut? I'm going to be like, I'm sorry but I'm not your groomer <laughs> and I was just going to bathe every groomer's dogs because it was like, they'll appreciate me, but like the clients don't really, you know, right, but I right, survived. Right. I got through it. So did you, you didn't end up doing that. Why not? That sounds no. like a genius idea. I know. I was really excited about it and maybe one day I will, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, life, I don't know. My, I, um, I took a different, a different turn. I was kind of like, I was focusing on my teaching. Um, I was doing a lot of virtual private lessons and stuff. So, you know, the grooming out there was really not, it just wasn't kind of working for me, you know, and, and it wasn't exactly not at all. Right. I mean, that's not the type of haircuts that you like to give. It wasn't the type of owners that were excited about it either. Right. I mean, they didn't care if their dog looked pretty or, you know, just got it done. Right. I mean, it's it's not a place for, you know, someone like you that like, this is like your life's work. Right. Yeah. We didn't appreciate the same things. I mean, the clients out there, I mean, you know, one of finer things. I tried, I really did. (laughs) um so, so what happened because you spent four years out there doing that right yeah and you know it was it was cool to be out there though because like from an educational standpoint that area of the country like they really don't have anything like there used to be a national dog groomers um show in denver a long long time ago and then that, that went away um and there's not really much so like the groomers out there are actually like really really thirsty for education so so when i was there i did i mean i was teaching a good amount you know on the east coast because it's so saturated with with groomers and people you know furthering their education and there's a lot more going on on the east coast um but but out there there's just like they don't have they really don't have anything. And so I had more time on my hands out there. You know, I wasn't commuting six hours in one day like I was on the East Coast. So so I really turned up my, my teaching. I did a lot more in person. I did a lot more like in salons in the area because they had, you know, they, there were so many people that wanted grooming help. And my virtual private lessons really like really took off. So, so the beginning of this year, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the make the decision to step away from pet grooming full time and take the leap and hope that 
it works into like more full-time education and it was scary it was really scary but it worked so and that that leap was to basically run your private lessons your virtual private lessons full-time yeah yeah okay. so i really like focused on on that you know i mean i've always been on on social media you know just as much as anybody else you know really trying to just do like the normal thing <laughs> and and I'm trying to be <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know how yeah. you know whatever here's a picture of my dog right. <laughs> and, and um and the grooming groups the grooming community on there is super great so i was like you know i'm just gonna dive in and and advertise more and and talk about it more than i was doing before and i've been teaching for a while but i just you know i just focused on it and i made it a priority and and looked at it like a job and and then it kind of just it kind of just um transformed from from there that's amazing and so it, it almost went from side hobby to full-time career oh yeah uh, and it's something you're passionate about and you get to talk to people that are passionate about this too every day i'm curious in these classes i mean what are the, what's the typical structure? Is it like, uh, you know, they're virtual? Are they all still virtual? Or are there some in person now? Or Yeah, um, well, I teach on all kinds of different, different, you know, platforms. So my virtual private lessons, um, it's just like this, you know, it's a, either a Zoom call or a Facebook video call and, and um, they're grooming and I'm, I'm just here with you. Like, like I'm in your grooming salon next to you. And so they're, you know, they've got the dog they want to work on, whether it's, um, you know, a competition trim or if it's like an owner handler with a show trim that they're learning um, or uh, just any any pet trim that you want to, you know, improve on. Um, whatever dog it is, it's on their table. And, and we work on the trim together. So like, you know, whatever, like, where do you want to start? What what problems do you have with the trim? What do you want to make better? And then let's just groom it together. And so it's a lot of like, how are you doing this right now? Okay, then move your hand to the left and now cut it like this. And like, no, 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 not like that. Like, and so it's just like, it's like I'm there and we just groom them together and it's fun and we laugh and, you know, awesome. it's like, yeah. So that's super that's, cool. And what do you think is, you know, uh, you don't, you've been doing this for a long time now that, that, you know, those virtual private lessons in particular, is there something that stands out that you're telling most, um, most beginners? Is there, is there, you know, one or two pieces of advice that most beginners struggle to grasp or, you know, that, that they just don't have yet? Like are you repeating the same sort of advice to that group of people on a consistent basis? And, and what is that if that's the case? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think it's when they're just getting started, I think, or when they're learning something new, I think it's a lot of like the, their mindset, you know, it's so easy to get frustrated when, when you're trying to learn something. And like a lot of the times they're just on top of it and, and thinking too much, just overthinking. And then, and, you know, and they also talk themselves out of it too. So, so my students that pick it up the quickest are the ones that are just like, okay, we're diving in, but it's just, it's just kind of like having the confidence in yourself to just try it. So a lot of, 
a lot of the time when you're just getting started, like you're scared because it's, you know, you don't know how to do it. So it's just, it's just a, one of the, one of the things that I tell them the most is just cut it, just cut it, just do it, just cut it. I promise, just cut it. And so it's just, it's, it's, I'm just, they're pep talking them. Like you can do, right. yes, I promise that's, I promise it's going to look the way you want it to look when we're done. So that's amazing. That's amazing. So it seems like there's a big mental, you know, there's a big mental blocker and people becoming the groomers that they eventually want to be. It's just, they don't even believe that they can get there and you've got to reinforce them almost yeah. that, Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. Let's just, you know, have confidence that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Why have you never opened up a school? Um, I've, I've taught, I mean, I've taught, you know, in so many different, like I've taught, you know, at colleges, I've taught at grooming schools, I've taught, you know, webinars and seminars and hands-on workshops and stuff like that. And like, maybe like down the road, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I've always said it, like, I'd love to have a school where with all my friends over throughout the world who specialize in different things, like if, if there was a school where, you know, when we have the course where we're learning like Bashans and things like that, and then we call in Lindsay Dickin and she comes in and teaches like a week long, you know, whatever. And then to do, you know, English cockers and then Nadia Bongelli comes in and does her week and, you know, and like just have all of these, these people who should be teaching, you know, what they're good at. And I don't know, I have ideas, but like realistically, I'm so busy. So I don't know. Maybe like when I settle down, if all of this stops and I can actually like stay home and do something at home. But right now, all my work is just like scattered out all over the place. No, that's, that's awesome. That's a great, um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that. That's a phenomenal idea. And, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe in the future, there's still time to do something like that. Um, last question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a perfect world. In a perfect world. Last question I want to leave the listeners with here is what's, what's next for you? Um, you know, Kenzie Murphy, you've kind of taken the entire industry by storm you've done. It seems like you've done almost everything now. So what's left to do for you? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm really happy with everything that's, that's happened in my career now is kind of taken this like turn into social media, um, education, which is like super exciting. And, and it's like something brand new that I'm just, that I just dove into. So, so I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of turned into like my everyday job now is figuring out how to educate on social media platforms. So like, that's completely wild. I have no idea where that's going to go at all. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've got one more year of competing next year and then we've got a world tournament. So we're going to be going to Spain, um, next fall. So I'll have another world tournament to take care of in the fall. Um, and then I don't know, whenever my contest career is feeling like it maybe should be over, whenever that is, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm like trauma bonded to it. Yeah, um, no, 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 you hate it, but you love it. <laughs> I don't want to stop. I don't think I can stop. But, but when I do finally retire, I know I'll spend a lot of years 
um, you know, judging and, and continuing to educate. But I don't know. I don't know. The industry right now is doing really interesting things and it's growing in so many like new ways that, you know, it's just there's so many different ways to teach now. So 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, COVID bringing um, into light the virtual route of teaching has been really, really good for the industry. You know, it's just given people access to, you know, grooming professionals like yourself and people that can teach those sort of things online which they never would have had access to before, especially for some of those people out West that, that kind of lacked the resources to all those educational yeah. routes. Yep. Um, you mentioned your social medias. Um, as we wrap things up, I want to give people a chance to go find you there. Um, sure. What's, you know, shout out your Instagram handle. I know you're pretty active on Facebook. So what are those best handles to shout out here? Sure. Mackenzie Murphy on Facebook and Instagram, um, um, the grooming mentor. So and um and yeah and then love groomers um love groomers is the company that i work for and that i'm sponsored by so you can also like all of their social media too my education stuff is on there as well so yeah (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us mackenzie you are a rock star Um, i'm so glad you've you've been here and given us all these stories i never knew half of this obviously i know how much of a, you know, a grooming baller you are, but I didn't know everything <laughs> that backed that up. So thank you so much for being honest and transparent with all your stories here. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Awesome. And that's the pod. Mm-hmm.